I neglected to introduce our guest a little bit earlier, and I please uh, uh, welcome uh, Pastor Susan Kintner. Susan is the uh, Susan serves as the assistant to uh, Bishop uh, Dave Browerwicki in the Oregon Synod, and Susan is here because she is uh, going to receive from the call team and from our congregation a little bit later in our worship a document called the Mission Site Profile. You'll hear more about that, but it's always good to have you. Also. Uh, Susan is going to be uh, in the uh, in the, com- the Commons following worship and would very much look forward to talking with you and hearing a little bit more from any of you, each of you, about your observations about as uh, what's helpful as we move through this uh, uh, building of the call process and getting out to this point where we want to extend the call. Susan, welcome again. Thank you so much. She'll also be uh, celebrating communion with us today. So good to have you here. What kind of interruptions did you face this week? Just think back about your week. What kind of interruptions did you uh, find? If you're a person who is very comfortable making plans, trying to follow with that, many of us know, many of you know, if you simply look back at this past week, what that might have been, what that might have felt like, when there were some interruptions that diverted you or may simply have stopped you from where you were. Joshua is has crossed the river and we've been following Joshua for these, these weeks now. He's crossed the river with the people of Israel. They've done everything according to the plans. There have been a few distractions. But the river stopped, the river flow stopped at, at, at flood stage, and they went across, they built a shrine, they did the ritual surgical procedure of all the guys, that was last week, thank goodness, that's over with. They celebrated Passover according to the instruction, and the Passover instruction was only use the produce that's locally grown, which they did. The next piece of the the next enterprise, the next activity, is taking the city of Jericho. They've sent spies out. They know that Rahab, whom we heard about a few weeks ago, is in place to help make things go well. Everything is the way that it is supposed to be. On the night before the Battle of Gettysburg in the Civil War, George Meade, the commander of the Union Army, Robert E. Lee, the commander of the Confederate Army, each walked among the troops, some of them down below the Union Army up on the hill in Gettysburg. Each of them walked among their troops, reassuring them about the battle next day, and of course, everybody was terrified. But if you read some history of Gettysburg, you know also that there were moments of incredible solitude, maybe even loneliness, on the part of the two generals. It's somewhat legendary about Dwight D. Eisenhower, who walked among his troops right before the 
ships, the boats, had left England and were on their way to the Normandy invasion. And about the solitude that he experienced and his need to have conversation at the same time with some of the soldiers who were going to be getting off those landing craft. And I think about those two images when I think of Joshua, who has done what he's supposed to do and gotten the people after Moses has died off of the hills out there on the east side of the Great Rift Valley, down the hill, across the, that, that uh, uh, wasteland that is uh, just this, the east side of the Jordan River, looked out on the horizon, trusted God, sent the Levites with the Ark of the Covenant. Everything has gone the way it's supposed to. And now in a moment of solitude, Joshua looks out, sees the city of Jericho, knows that something is going to happen out there tomorrow. And he gets interrupted, and this is what happened. It's from Joshua chapter 5. The verses are 13 through 15. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or are you for our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. All of his preparations all of his planning, even his solitude, is now interrupted by this image, vision, of the commander of the army of the Lord. There is no hint in the verses following this passage that the commander of the army of the Lord is leading the charge. It's not mentioned again in this story. And he speaks those words to Joshua, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. The last time we know of those words having been spoken was to Moses on Mount Sinai, maybe 20 or 30 years before this time, when Moses was commissioned, was being commissioned to lead the people of Israel across the Sinai. And now is Joshua here, interrupted in these moments by a commander of the army of the Lord, who tells him nothing about the battle, but says, take off your sandals, for you are in a holy place. All of us know what it means to be interrupted. But not all of the time do we know how to deal with the interruptions. There is a great history in the Bible of people who have faced interruptions. There was a man named Abraham who on what I think of as a hot afternoon in his tent gets visited by some people, some guests to whom he gives great hospitality. And what they say to him is this, Abraham, at age 104, whatever he was, you're going to be a dad, Abraham, which is slightly laughable except that his wife, Sarah, who is 103, 
is in the back of the tent hearing the same message. You're going to be a mom, Sarah. And she laughs. There is story after story of people whose lives are interrupted. Sometimes by God. In fact, almost always by God, but whose interruptions are not always obvious. Joshua gets interrupted and is only told this, take off your sandals. Nothing about what he's supposed to do but to experience what that moment is about. No directions about battle plans, no strategic, grand strategic effort about how to take the city. But only, only to know who he is and where he is. It was a wedding one day in the town of Galilee, in the town of Cana, in the region of Galilee. And there was this magnificent wedding. Jesus was there, so was his mother, so were the disciples. And if you know the story well, you remember that the wine ran out. The best planning that had been done was not enough. And the mother of Jesus goes to him and says, what are you going to do about the wine? And Jesus says to her, and it almost sounds rude, that's not my problem. You take care of it. And that becomes the setting for the very first miracle that's recorded in the Gospel of John, a wedding at Cana in Galilee, where the interruption of the day provides the setting for the miracle. You can go to Matthew's Gospel and read the story of what happened when Jesus, with his disciples, is visiting a local synagogue, and one of the leaders of the synagogue says to him, Jesus, while you're here, do you think you could stop by and either heal my daughter or give her life because she might have already died? And Jesus says, apparently, sure, I can do that. And he goes with the man to the house where the daughter is, we learn later, has now died. But on the way, there's a woman who also has some need to interrupt Jesus, and she, she touches the hem of his garment, and he feels it immediately. She speaks about her chronic illness that's been going on apparently throughout her adult life. And Jesus says these words to her, you can go now because your faith has healed you. And then Jesus moves along and goes again with the leader of the synagogue to the house where the daughter is, and they find a funeral in progress. The mourners are there, the celebration of her life. The recognition of her death is going on. Jesus goes in, grasps her by the hand, she gets up, and she's restored to life. That kind of an interruption. You can think of those interruptions that you might have experienced in your life and whether or not that became a moment of grace and of goodness. His name was Saul. His mission was to cause trouble for the people who were the followers of Jesus. He was on his way to Damascus where he was certain that he would find a band of them whom he could straighten out and 
on his way. Of course, you know the story. He meets the risen Jesus who asks him this question, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He was struck blind, taken to Damascus, cared for there by Judas, another Judas. And it was another interruption. He eventually became known as Paul and, of course, was the great missionary to the Gentiles. And the record of all of that has left us in the books of the New Testament. It could have been any moment. It was Passover that evening with Jesus, his disciples. And what they thought was going to be a usual Passover celebration, the roasted lamb, the herosis, the bitter herbs, the wine, the unleavened bread, had already happened. And then something else took place. Jesus interrupts that Passover, that ritual historic celebration, with these words, after supper, he took the bread, he gave thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Take and drink, this is my blood. The very words that you're going to hear in a few moments, the very words that interrupted what was otherwise the ritual event of the evening. The Latin roots of the word to interrupt could be translated to break into something, to break in. And if we believe that, and I hope all of you do, if we believe that, that knowing that receiving Christ's presence today in the sacrament means that it's entirely possible that we open ourselves to God's breaking in, to God's interruption, because that is how it started. And it's entirely possible that when you walk out of this place today, your life could be different. Something could have taken place that has made a change. And so you know that when we gather here, when we gather in this place to worship, we walk in here and we're prepared, and I hope you are, for interruptions to happen. And when you leave this place, to know that that very possibility exists. You'll hear a little bit later about some good work that's been done here at Christ Church. You're going to hear about a call team and their work to develop a mission site profile, and they've been meeting since early November, November, December, January, to put that document together. And this morning, we're going to give it to you, Pastor Susan. We have church councils, we have ministry teams, we have worship teams, we have a number of groups of people who get together to make plans about how best we can be the people of God in this place and carry that message outside these walls. But if you spoke with any of the leaders of those ministry teams, the church council, the call team, and asked them, have you ever been interrupted in this process? You know what they would tell you. Of course we have. Of course we have. I'd read recently in the newsletter from the Oregon Synod about how the Oregon Synod and Pastor Susan, Pastor Dave, and Susan told me earlier that since 2008, you say seven? Eight. Since 2007, eight people have, eight people no longer work for the Oregon Synod who used to be on the Synod staff. In addition to that, Pastor Susan, Bishop Dave, 
their income, their salaries reduced by 10%, their workload not decreased by 10%. That's the kind of interruption nobody wants. But Pastor Susan is here with us, and Pastor Dave is doing good work, Bishop Dave, anyway. We're going to give you the mission site profile. We're going to ask you to spend time with it and be thinking and praying about who are those pastors out there who, are, who could likely come to this place. And Pastor Susan, we're also going to pray that you might get interrupted in that process in some way. Maybe it's the commander of the army of the Lord. I don't recommend that. <laughs> but maybe an angel or some word that's spoken about an interruption that will be helpful to you, to another pastor, and maybe also to us. The interruptions are going to happen. I want to read you this wonderful quotation from C.S. Lewis. The great thing is to stop regarding all unpleasant things as interruptions of one's real life. The truth is, what one calls interruptions are precisely one's real life the life God is sending to us one day at a time. Maybe it'll be the commander of the army of the Lord. Maybe as it was with Mary and Joseph, an angel, two different angels that speak to each of them. Maybe it would be the angels, the Bethlehem angels. Maybe it will be the visitors who come unannounced at your doorway one day and you find that you end up entertaining angels unawares because you got interrupted. John Lennon wrote these words in uh, Beautiful Boy. Maybe you know the words, but when he wrote this song at the birth of his son, Sean, he included this marvelous passage. Life is what happens to you when you're busy making other plans. Life is what happens to you when you're busy making other plans. For those of us in the community of faith, the followers of Jesus, I want to think that sometimes God is what happens to us when we're busy making other plans. And it will always be a life characterized by interruptions. Please join with me in prayer. Gracious Lord, while we don't always want them nor welcome them, we pray for the openness, the wisdom, the capacity to trust that when those interruptions take place, in whatever form they come, we will be prepared to know that this could be, this could be a part of what you expect of us and for us to grow in faith and to know of the direction you provide. Help us deal with, help us confront, help us know those interruptions in our lives are always part of your plan. We pray in your holy name. Amen.